Hello. This episode is uh, absolutely great. I uh, It's kind of shorter than usual, but you know, I don't mind. It was good. Uh, this is Gianmarco Ceresi. He's doing really well in comedy, and uh, he has a special out on Amazon, and it's on uh, Spotify as an album. It's called Shelf Life, and he's just great. He was great to give me some of his time, and uh, we had a good conversation. It was good to get to know him. Okay. Uh, thank you. Hey, dude. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you now. Okay. Great. 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 Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's so funny. Uh, I was talking with like a comedian friend of mine who's my like supporter. He was surprised that you would do it, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, if, if I have time, I always try yeah. to make myself available. The one thing that I've noticed during this whole entire thing, just with COVID and everything, and seeing what my friends are doing, uh, you know Dana Braff, right? Uh, who is it? You said Dana Dana Braff. Dana Braff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just had him on. I'm friends with him. Uh, you know, it's funny. I just learned, like, there's not really, like, a hierarchy between, like, comedians. Like, they just, like. Does that Absolutely. Make... Yeah, yeah, totally. So, it, it was really cool to just get you on. Uh, I saw you have a movie. Uh, I don't want to forget the name. You you uh, did a movie with Billy Crystal? Yeah, it's coming out, I think, next Friday, actually. It was, uh, I filmed it in 2019, but I think with COVID, everything got super delayed release-wise. Right. So, uh, yeah, Billy Crystal, Tiffany Haddish, I'm excited for it to come out. That's so cool, just to, like, work with those people. What was it like working with Billy Crystal? Oh, so, I mean, it, it was uh, it was pretty surreal. Uh, it's always surreal when you've known someone uh, on the screen for a very long time, and then you meet them in person. Um, but he was super nice, super friendly, and uh, we got to do some rehearsals um, before shooting. So it felt like you felt like I really got some some good time in with him. And uh, he ended up changing one part in the script because of a uh, an impression I can do, and that was really cool that he um, kind of was paying attention like that. So very nice guy. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, how long have you been acting? For? I was an actor before I was a comedian, for sure. I was an actor kind of in high school, I'd say. I was pretty dead set on being a professional actor. and Went to college for musical theater. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was an actor in New York pretty fully until about five years ago when I, I kind of pivoted to stand up. Wow, only five years. That's it's so interesting just to see like all this stuff you've done in that time. Uh, did you find it? Like, I would imagine that uh, being an actor and doing stand-up, there's probably a lot of similarities just with, like, uh, having to go to, like, audition and stuff. Because you're just, like, I feel like, you know, stand-up is just like you're auditioning yourself so much on stage. Is it similar to that? I don't know. They're very – I think acting is kind of its own art form, I think. Right, yeah. You A lot of – I mean, a lot of things – I think uh, it's about lowering the level of anxiety as you're performing in front of people, whether you're on stage or, you know, in front of the camera. Right. I think a lot of this is just like, can you find uh, comfort in uh, what feels like a stressful or high stakes circumstance or what people are looking at you? 
And uh, in that sense, they're similar, but I do think they're, they're very different art forms. And oh, I, yeah, for sure. I think I'm, I think I'm much better at, at standup than I ever was at uh, acting. Did, uh, was it like, a, was it different for you? Because I know that you have uh, like experience on stage too. So I was curious, was it, it easy to do standup having that background? You still there? Me? Uh, yeah. I, I, it dropped out for a second. No, I'm sorry. Uh, um, I think I think I knew how to perform like in front of a big audience better, but uh, there's a lot of downsides to it. In the in the beginning, I think you can rely on your charisma in a way that you don't have to confront the weakness of your writing. Right. And yeah. uh, so if you ever perform on a show, I mean, I, I I really didn't start staying up sooner, I think, because I would perform on like, you know, a bringer now and then. And right. the crowd would be white hot and my energy and act outs would uh, would would get me through the set well enough. And then I would do maybe one open mic and I would bomb my ass off and uh, I would go, ah, oh, well, it's the open mics fault. And, right. <laughs> yeah. And it, it took, I mean, it took many years, you know, really doing stand-up to, to understand the difference. It took roast battles, honestly, for me to go like, oh, okay. The writing oh, really? is crazy. Yeah. Doing, I've been doing, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to you. I've been doing roast battles recently and I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying them, especially with the guys that I do it with. Because, uh, uh, I don't know, it seems like such a different thing. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 definitely. I know lots. Of, I know a lot of great roast battlers who are dreadful stand-up comedians. Yeah. But I think, like, if I were to teach anyone stand-up comedy, if I ever were to be a teacher, I think it's such a perfect encapsulation of like what uh, a pure form of joke writing is, where like the goal is very clear. You're really trying to get a pop. You're really trying to create a twist or a surprise that uh you know it makes an audience laugh and um the goal is very clear like with roast it's like you are insulting this person you are saying something sometimes horrifying about them right and uh i i just think it's a really good that that taught me a lot yeah and you can uh um i'm sorry are you still here yeah yeah i can hear you uh yeah um so yeah, it's very good because it's just like gives you a defined goal to do, and it's like it's fun too. Yeah, it's a lot like, of fun. But but like, I I remember the first two roast battles I did, I really ate shit. Oh. Um, and and I don't think I ever I ever figured out how to be a great roast battler. But the first two or three, I felt like such a loser. Um, oh yeah. Because with roast jokes, there isn't much middle ground. It either works. It can sort of work, but usually it either like works or it's silent. Right. And uh, that silent is very motivating to become a better writer. Oh, yeah, for sure. And to me, what's great, the things that I like about it is I like when there's people like that I go up that I know, because I feel like that's common with comedians is we just make fun of each other. And, you know, there's just a lot of busting each other's balls mostly. So like that's cool. To me, it's hard when it's someone I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, 
yeah, and I think there's a certain degree of like sometimes I don't know. I've done some roasts with people. It's it's tough. Sometimes it's like, oh, are we just is this is this healthy? Right, are we just being exactly. mean to strangers? Like I don't know, Jeff Jeff Ross, who uh, has got his own issues right now, but he was always like, you know, you only roast the ones you love, right? And I'm like, well, that's not true at all, <laughs> right? Exactly. In any sense of the word, no. like, um. I've never had a like uh, I've seen them before and they look like a blast where you really are roasting, you know, a panel of your best friends are roasting you. Um, and the I last think that's that I battled was uh, a close friend of mine that I told you about earlier. That was surprised that I got you on the podcast. It was just like, you know, it was good because the people that I work with that do it, they're good at that. They're like, you know, do it with someone that you are friends with that you know, because it's so hard to do it against a stranger. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so with uh, what's been interesting to me is to see, like, I guess during all this stuff with COVID and everything is uh, people moving to different platforms. And like, I have a TikTok, but I don't use it that much. I just post stand-up clips on there. Uh, you are really, really good on there. Uh, do uh, do you ever get flack from other comedians for doing it? No, I mean, I'm sure some comedians judge me. Uh, there's a there's a fine line as you're figuring out how to build a fan base. Right. What is the difference between like uh, the kind of promotion that's necessary, and what's the difference between that and just whoring yourself out? Right. And um, it's it's hard. You know, when you I'm starting to headline a little on the road and it's it's only when you go somewhere else in America and you go, oh, right. My name doesn't sell any tickets. So. Of course, this club would be hesitant or other clubs wouldn't book me. Because what, how do, how, there's this kind of fantasy that we live in of like, just be fantastic and they, and they will come. And maybe that was the case. Maybe there was a time clubs had more draw. Certain clubs do have more draw, you know, but, but you really get a sense when you start working on the road and when, when this starts becoming your main source of income that you're like, oh, I have to figure out how to get a fan base and part of that is creating enough content or or a certain kind of brand and it's a real fine line because i I know comedians that you know they they find their their niche and they lean so heavily into it that's sometimes i look from outside and i'm like oh my god give me a fucking break or that's why i mean i think a lot of like these quote-unquote alt-right comedians like i don't think a lot of them politically are, are as far as they pretend to be i think like that's where they started getting good oh yeah feedback, for sure and they need to sell out the road so when a news thing comes in they have to they quickly come up with a hot take that is pretty abysmal and right. terrible and and maybe not good to be promoting on such a large platform yeah. but like i can totally see how that's a trap you fall into so i'm trying to with things like tiktok or the podcast trying to just uh, ex- expands my output and trying to keep, uh, trying to keep it so it's not corny or hacky, um, 
and when, when you know as you get older there's comedians i know who i don't think are great comedians but i respect the fuck out of their work ethic and what they've built oh yeah for sure and me personally my biggest care is that my stand-up comedy is is uh good that my writing is of a high quality and that i'm i'm growing and evolving there and okay i'm sure there's some tiktoks where like i'm you know i'm being a little too much a little bit too uh extroverted or a little corny uh or i'll put up a bad joke once and again but i don't really give a fuck and i can't and you 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 have to find a balance between like how much do i need every peer to think what i'm doing is 100 percent pure and building a career but right i know that i want that my my most important place is the stand-up and i think i i think i for now tend to that well right. there could come a time where i have you know more success uh or or other obligations and um that's why you see so many great comedians start putting out bad specials and i i hope to not be that i really do care about stand-up but I also am sure those comedians never thought they would be putting out a shitty Netflix hour right. until they had four kids and Netflix offered them $5 million. And they said, Oh, I have a poop story. I could expand to 30 right. minutes. Yeah. yeah. So who That's knows? Really... You just, you know, it's, yeah. it's, but you can't, you know, you have to find that line. There's so many people that will judge you. Right. And uh, I, I'm judging myself there. I put out jokes where I think about my favorite, comedians some of whom are not that successful and i think oh they, i bet if they saw this they'd say i'm a fucking hack oh um, right well yeah that's the cool thing to me is like knowing i'm a fan of a lot of comedians and it's it's interesting to me like i think you know people mostly watch like netflix and stuff and some people watch like you like comedians that are big on youtube like andrew schultz and stuff like that but I, what i do is i listen to a lot of comedy on spotify i love finding new albums from people because there's always new albums from people from all over the world and i think it's like the best way to usually digest comedy like unless someone's pretty physical on stage like mostly it's pretty good did uh i know that you released a special and an album called uh shelf life right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh was that when did that sort of come about like that you could realize like okay i can do a special now i mean i definitely was uh, i i feel like my original plan was i mean this seems to be how some other comics it's kind of come to be where when it felt like i would possibly i was hoping to headline more on the road uh eventually get a late night set in some capacity and like build an hour to release as an album around that or, or you know, maybe Netflix. I'd, I'd get a Netflix spot or, or Comedy Central present. Not the thirty minute one, or eight minute. I had all these plans. What, right. what I mean to say is, like, I had all these hopes of like different industry indicators that would kind of start things off. Um, but I first, I think, inspired by seeing how well folks like Mark Norman and Sam Morell and Joe List and plenty of others kind of just released their own specials i was inspired by that partially now they they also they also started out with some huge industry bookings i mean you know mark norman for example like you know he had he had an amy schumer yeah yeah. presented a comedy central special had a huge following 
But basically what happened is I was about to start headlining on the road at very small places, very, very small, mm -hmm. losing money on almost all the trips. But right. then COVID hit. And um, like every comedian, I think it was very frightening kind of what the future would look like. And I was writing all this new material that was very COVID specific because it felt right for the moment. And um, outdoor shows started in full and I realized all these jokes that I'd really worked. I mean, if I were to say, what's the one thing I did over COVID, it was, it was writings and fine tuning stand up. And I was like, well, these jokes are going to expire. I'm proud of them. Uh, fuck it. Let's stop trying to wait for a perfect hour because I have no idea when that's going to come. And, and right. there were, you know, there's talks even now, it might be the case where it's like every comedian is going to move back a notch as like everyone's scrambling to, to regain where they were. Right this coming year. So I, I, I had a producer friend. I had a, another producer who was like, I'll help front the money. Um, and, and yeah, we just, we just shot it. And I felt really, really happy with how it came out. And when you release a special, it's sometimes it's kind of a litmus test of where you are with your peers in terms of like, are they willing to retweet you or share you or, uh, uh, say something nice about the special. And I, I felt, it felt good. It felt like, oh, cool. I have some friends in this very competitive industry who are supportive oh, yeah. and who watched it. And um, and yeah, I'm very glad I did it. I have no idea what will be next, whether I will have a, a late night or whether I will say fuck it and just record an hour of kind of the the, the material I've worked for the last five years, but we'll see. Right. That's the one thing that's kind of interesting about uh, comedy nowadays is it's much more like do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Because like years ago, like I kind of envy like, you know, in the 80s, it was probably like not much easier, but like, you know, you got in Carson and then, then everything happened or Letterman or whatever. And now it's just like I know people that like have been on late night and then I just see them at like an open mic and then I'm like, oh, you're back. It's like, you know, yeah, like, I mean, I think it's it's mixed. It's like. Yeah, you. If you got on Carson, you could have a huge career. But also, if you didn't get on Carson, it was hard to have anything. Right. So, like, I, de I definitely think it was easier in the sense that there was less people doing it for oh, yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, it's just the reality. I think you know, it's 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 a mix. I I started a podcast recently, and again, that's also in in the hopes of like using this to tour. I also enjoy doing it. Right. Um, but What's your podcast about? It's called The Downside, and it's me and a, a comedy buddy of mine. He's a sketch comedian named Russell Daniels, and uh, we interview guests for the most part. And it's it's kind of a it's it's a interview show, but where I really encourage people to be negative and complain, talk about all the downsides of oh, of their life, and uh, and then we end each episode saying kind of one thing we're we're grateful for. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's, uh, I had, a someone who works with my manager, I'm with authentic management and, um, Carly Hugendike, who works with a lot of podcasts. She told me like, find a podcast that you also feel like is a place where you can, uh, like a writing pad or somewhere where I can work out ideas. And, and this very much felt in line with my general demeanor. Right. Yeah. When I, uh, when I started mine, it was just like me talking and then I was like, I wanted to interview people right away, but I waited a little bit. And then I was like, because I just met all these amazing people. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, this can really be a good platform for everyone instead of just, 
myself. Totally. And it's really, really cool to get like uh, you and Ken Krantz and bigger names. It's like, you know, it's like, it's just awesome to me that it's, you know, working out and, uh, you know, your podcast sounds so awesome. Uh, you're both Jewish and Italian, right? Mm-hmm. Mom's yeah, Jewish, Dad's so, like, Italian. The negative thing kind of makes sense to me because I'm very Yeah, negative. yeah, yeah. I think there's like a, there's a pessimistic attitude with Jews that mm-hmm. like, just like people know, but it's like, you know, it's a, uh, it's very surprising to people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's like a fun, uh, hopefully, I mean, I think right. it's like a comedic kind of complaining, but I always knew uh, if I was like on a date, if she said something like, wow, you, you're complaining a lot or something that like for me complaining is kind of how i interact with the world oh yeah it doesn't it doesn't always mean per se that i'm like having a bad time oh no i'm just like that's kind of how i have fun is poking holes and uh my my girlfriend right now is uh, very jewish uh so i think if there's one thing we we relate to it's that right uh so uh you mentioned earlier like being respected by other comedians and people that you sort of look up to who were your favorite comedians i mean i mean in terms of like like you know the the big ones i uh i've always been a big mulaney fan i uh i i am uh, nevertheless a louis ck uh fan you know that's how it started oh yeah Um, louis started too like with me and it was just like you know it's so hard now to you know yeah, people, I mean like, it's hard, but like you know, you also he's he's performing. People, I mean, you know what? What are you gonna do? Pe- people listen to fucking Michael Jackson still, right, so like yeah. you know, fucking. That's what I think. You know, I think like you know, me. it's uh, Pat Oswalt has that great joke about how like great food is always cooked by like insane chefs. Oh yeah, that just have like terrible tempers and just terrible to work with. But they make really great food. And it's like, I feel like that's the same way with artists. Like, sometimes they just do things that are terrible. Sure. And that sort of... Yeah, I just the think... method to the madness. Yeah, I just think there's a weird... There's this kind of a strange conflation. Um, as we try to be better people, I guess, that, oh, that, yeah. that being a good person and making good work are somehow tied together. And I'm right. like, well, I just don't think that's true. The universe no. isn't just... Uh, but uh, then, then more. I mean, I think more interesting is is kind of people I really like on on the scene right now. I mean, Renan Hirschberg is someone who always I find writes some amazing oh, yeah. bits. Um, you know, it's it's tough. I, I whenever I think about this stuff, I'm like, oh well, let me make sure I say all my friends so they don't get their feelings hurt. But uh, I I love uh, Caitlin Palufo makes me laugh. Jay Jordan, who's also a good buddy of mine. Um, there's there's so many great comedians and uh it's been cool in stand-up comedy you really feel as you move upwards in terms of like oh cool i'm on a show with roy wood jr now or i'm I'm, oh my god i'm on uh, another show with mark normand like that's so cool he's you know great a great joke writer so oh yeah there's so many great so many of so my, many great writers. So many of my friends that I started with are starting to work with him and he I just heard he's so nice. And that's like really great to hear, like when you just hear like, oh they're cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I actually saw him like last year or two years ago, probably now, and uh I was too afraid to talk to him 
it was so weird because like I heard great things like that he was so nice and stuff. It was like usually I talk to like you know people and it was just like I kick myself every day that I didn't. You know. I mean, you'll you'll see him. He 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 loves to perform. Um, I probably so will, but... he'll be around. Yeah, you know, you just you know I, I remember like when I was hosting and Bill Burr dropped in and it didn't seem like he was particularly interested in talking, but right. it all you all move up. All it takes for comics is to see you do one good set right for them to go like oh, okay you're you're real i think the reason there's sometimes there's like a little hesitancy is like there's a lot of there's a lot of scummy people in comedy there's a lot of people who like are here to visit right or like are here just to hang and so i do think there's a certain degree of after you've seen someone in the scene for a little bit and working for a little bit that you go oh, okay this is this is someone who like is really interested in this art form that I care about. Right. And uh, so then you kind of talk to them more and eventually like you have a shit gig. Like I did a gig with Mark Norman that it was for uh, a group of Syrian Jews uh, in long, maybe long Island. And it was just like one of these nightmare gigs. Oh. And I think uh, it can be really bonding to do a nightmare gig with another comedian. Oh Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you mentioned that Bill Burr thing, like I was thinking about uh, that, I think it was a tweet that you, that was like uh, Patrice O'Neill, like you think he wouldn't have liked you. And I have the same like fear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he is so different from me in that, like, he didn't need anyone to tell him he's funny. Like, I sort of relate to that generally anything of like need so desperately for people to like you. And, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Uh, I had a dream one time that I was opening for Bill Burr, and like before I was about to go on, like I was hanging out, and like all his fans like came and they were like these twenty-year-old like dipshits, and they were like, like making fun of me. They're like, "You're not opening for him, like this is what you already done." That's very <laughs> like, funny. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like insane though. Like just to have the different you know types of people that do stand up and are uh into so um you have that movie coming out with uh billy Preston. do you have uh like anything else coming up like movie wise uh no i've been i've been auditioning i'm i'm hosting there's a thing called rush ticks which is a virtual oh yeah i've seen that yeah 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 so i'm hosting a i, I got booked to host a new show for them called video apocalypse i think that's the third tuesday of next month so I'm doing that from home, a lot of Zooms, um, and I'm finally starting to get back on the road. I just headlined Appleton uh, Skyline Comedy Club in Wisconsin, and pretty soon I'm doing Spokane Comedy Club, uh, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, um, DC Comedy Loft, Comics Mohegan Sun. So uh, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I'm starting to really get these headlining weekends, and it's it feels very cool. Right. So... When you're headlining, like for shows, like does it have you figured? I don't know if this is too much of a nerdy question, but have you like figured out like what places like your act kind of works better in? Like, is it like do you do pretty well like in certain places? I think I I think I adjust. Uh, 
I think if there's one thing that acting has helped to a certain extent is like I can adjust um, based on where I am. I, I think I, I shine if it's like a more theatrical space where I can be big. Right. Um, but I like to think that, that I can also do, you know, the small coffee houses. I, I mean, I did a prison last year and doing oh, that, so cool. doing, what making, was that like? I was the host quit on the way in because it was, it was scary. It felt scary oh, for sure. It felt very scary. Um, uh, it was it was wild. I mean, it was noon. It was the middle of their their living area. Someone was showering behind me. You could see inside their rooms, and there just the walls were lined with porn. And uh, it was dirty. It was grungy. It really, I mean, it was not a well kept place. It, it was a good. I mean, I it was a good reminder just how horrifying the whole prison system is. Just just right. walking in was enough to be like Jesus Christ. This is this is not this is inhumane right um without a doubt but uh but it was good i mean it it went it went well enough and uh i i was very dirty i took my cue from all the porn oh that's and um and uh yeah those those gigs when you can figure those out it feels feels good because it feels like oh cool i can relate to people who have had a very different life experience than me and i can Right. Make them laugh, hopefully, which which sometimes sometimes you forget. I think sometimes with very judgy comedians, it's like there's so much about like, am I creating good work and am I moving up? And it's like, well, can you make people laugh? Can you make people feel good? Right. And uh, in a situation like that, it's like, oh, cool. I I made this person laugh. Their life fucking blows. Right. And uh, somehow I, I made them made them smile for half a second right uh do you have uh any more i asked this a couple times so do you uh have a um like any stories else of like crazy places that you've sort of performed at or i mean the prison was definitely the craziest one i think prison was i mean prison honestly wasn't as hard as some uh some private gigs that's where kind of things are really oh really uh... tough and you mean like uh, what are they called? Uh, I can't remember what they're called. But like the ones where you have to do stuff for like uh, like businesses. Those are corporates. Corporate, uh, yeah, I'm corporates. Saying. I mean, I've I've done more Zoom corporates uh, than live ones, um, and I'm sure those probably can be difficult. But it's more it's more like I got hired, and I would never do this again. I mean, you'd have to pay me five grand. Right. It was it was like a year in, and it was roasting some guy for his second marriage bachelor party, and they were just basically at dinner at a steakhouse, and I really felt like I was intruding. Oh yeah, on their dinner, and uh, it was brutal. I have the recording, and I I I think I'll do a podcast episode just on that recording someday. But it was so just a just a terrible, terrible, embarrassing, humiliating right. experience. So. So yeah, you do them, and that's why eventually you get to a point where, like, if someone asked me, if someone asked me to roast them like privately for a gig, I'd be like, "Well, my rate is five thousand or ten thousand, right. so that if I'm truly going to go through it, I know I'm walking away with some serious money." It's so tough, like with people. Like, I like to think with like Netflix and everything, like, and sometimes it is like people get it now, like a little bit of 
like the little nuances of stand up, but still, it's like funny when you hear like stories like that. Like people just like it's like you know what stand up is. It's like yeah, I mean, yeah, I think some comics can really like. I'm sure Aaron Berg could have destroyed at that bachelor party. Oh yeah, some comics really have skills that may let them adapt wherever they are, but. What audiences don't understand is that, like, part of this is about their participation. Oh, that, yeah. like, a comedian can't just walk in anywhere and force everyone to laugh. Um, I've, I've, I do college gigs, and some of them are truly true. I had one that was a, a classic, like, it was just cafe, a cafeteria just having cafeteria. dinner, and yeah. no one knew a show was happening. And there I am with this dinky mic and uh, no one wants to talk to me, and it was humiliating. Humiliating. Uh, and part of you is like, "Look, guys, I mean, there's just no point in doing this if everyone's just having dinner, right? And they don't even know a show's going on. You're asking me to like, it's like being a Showtime dancer, but an hour long show, an hour long right. train ride, and everyone's like, "No, we're not here for this." Right. Yeah. I think that's one of like, that's like the tough things about that I've heard about colleges, and. Uh, yeah, it's just, like, it's interesting how things, like, go, like, with that. Like, to me, I always think, like, a lot of, st- a lot of open mics are bars and stuff, and I'm okay with that, but, like, the best ones that I like are, like, coffee shops and stuff like that, because I like to think, like, my stuff is a little more thinky, but it's, like, you know, I don't know if that's pretentious, but it's, like, you know, it's, like, I feel like, also, there's more artsy people there, so they kind of understand, like, what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, well, totally. So, so with those type of gigs and everything, uh, when I ask you, uh, like, is traveling now with COVID and everything like, is that harder, or is this like your first like really time? So you don't know. Uh, this is my. F- I mean, I definitely traveled a couple times before, but this is my first time kind of more regularly. It feels fine. Um, it's just like figuring out you know, I, I hate it. It's such a terrible booking flights and right. getting, I almost got in trouble because I was leaving Appleton, Wisconsin and they delayed my flight twice. And the second delay was like seven hours. Oh and I, I kind of got very temperamental and was oh. told to, to oh, chill yeah. it out or I would be removed from the airport. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm still getting used to that, that lifestyle for sure. For sure. I only asked that because, uh, Next month, well, this month, uh, May, I'm going to Texas for the first time. Oh, cool! That'll be fun. Stand up, uh, comedian friend of mine moved down there, moved there, and uh, he's like having like comics like come like every week or every other week to stay with him for like three days and just do like a couple of my couple shows. And I'm so excited because I haven't traveled anywhere to do stand up. I'm excited because like. I feel like everyone I'll be able to perform in front of new audiences and do like older stuff that I haven't been able to do because I think that's one of the like biggest things is sort of like you said, with you doing stamp in those places is you have to introduce yourself each time. So that's going to be really fun for me to just like, Oh, I don't have to perform in front of people that know like about me. Yeah. It's like yeah. fun. It's like, I'm very quirky. So it's like, it's interesting to have that. We're like, oh, people are going to have to experience this now. <laughs> it's like, this is going to be crazy. But uh, 
yeah, it's it's so cool to just hear and see like all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, when you do stuff for like uh, like you did a, a thing for PBS, right? Mm-hmm. Stories from that? the stage. It's just a storytelling show that uh, I submitted for that they then turned down all the audience laughs because they didn't want it to seem like a comedy show and I was furious. Oh, that's that was <laughs> that was a thing too. Yeah, I've uh, seen people do storytelling stuff and I've tried it on stage. I'm not good at it yet. It's like it's yeah, really it's... uh there's really an art form to it and sure, sure. It's really uh it's interesting though to be able to have that to be like, okay, that's something that you can work on that is, you know, that's always so interesting. So, um, did you do? I know you mentioned like theater. Did you do any plays, like specific plays, when you were younger? Uh, yeah, I did. I did a lot of plays. I mean, I did. Um, what were the big plays I did? I mean, I did a lot of musicals. I did On the Town. I did Little Shop of Horrors. Was one of my favorites. Oh I yeah, did, uh, I did Hello Dolly in college. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a theater kid, so I did all I did all the staples, guys and dolls ensemble. Uh, but but then I did one play that I wrote for a month. I did uh, eight eight shows a week in New York, and I I kind of realized that doing the same thing every night um, drove me a little crazy. It just it's not how I'm built oh, temperamentally. Right. Wow, like how long does it take to to write like a like a play like that? It took, I mean, it took five years of development and test runs and little runs and, and, uh, it wasn't that good in the end. So maybe even longer than that. But at least you did it. I mean, that's kind of like, that's just cool to like have a thing that you just, you know, it's the same thing with like your, your special. It's like you committed to something and at least it's out there. Uh, has your, uh, special been doing well, do you think? Cause I think it's good. I appreciate it. I mean, I think it. I think it did well enough. I got some press, and uh, I don't. I don't really know what the views are. Right. I don't. I don't need to obsess about that. I. I just try to get the social media numbers performing right. well. And, but yeah, it did. It did well, and the clips did well, and uh, I felt very good about it. I don't want to spoil anything, but I love. I think I told you this. I love that bit that you do about uh, the Titanic. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's so great. It's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. That one, the, the the jokes that the comedian says in the in the fictional version of it took a very long time to figure out which jokes really worked. That was so um, clever. I was like, oh, that's so. And like, I, I appreciate mean, it. The best way, like, I can totally tell, like, the influence of Mulaney in that bit. A bit, yeah, is like, oh yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's so, it's so cool. Like, I I, I love uh, seeing that. Like, it's really cool just to see, like, everything that you've sort of done in such a, like, it, it seems, it probably doesn't seem like to you because, like, I know it's, like, like in the thick of it, but, like, it seems, like, pretty fast. Like, yeah, yeah. from my perspective of just things that are happening, do you feel like that? Or do you feel like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to move fast. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, um, are you, uh, 
Do you have any other shows coming up soon? Uh, no, just just the regular slate of stuff. I'm I'm over at Broadway Comedy Club and uh, at Greenwich Village and Grizzly Pear and LOL and hopefully the new comedy shop and um, hopefully Caroline's when it comes back. So a lot of stuff, but I always put it up on my Instagram, all the headlining stuff that's going to be coming up. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, yeah, I, I've only done uh, Bringers at uh, at uh, Broadway and Greenwich. Uh, yeah, those are, you know, I'm so glad I don't have to do them anymore. That's the one thing that I like about, uh, the only good thing about COVID that I noticed is like they kind of, it kind of like destroyed that concept of doing Bringers. Like I see like they don't have them anymore. Yeah, they'll, they'll be back. Like cockroaches, yeah. they will Probably. be back. Yeah. Because that's the one thing that I mentioned earlier that's just cool is like I, I just see like comedians just want to work with other comedians. So like kind of the like smaller open mic comedians that I see that are moving and progressing and doing stuff with guys like you and Mark Norman. It's like so cool not to to see like, oh, there's no like sure there's a there's a hierarchy in some way, but like to comics, there's not there's not one. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, uh, I know you mentioned some of your friends, do you have uh, any friends that like are sort of on the up and coming that you would want to promote? Just Jay Jordan. Jay oh. Jordan's my buddy. He doesn't oh. need my, he doesn't need my help, but right. he's, uh, he's up and coming and doing very well. Just did Tonight Show, Comedy Central. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, it's crazy how much like stuff there is just to do like Comedy Central and Netflix and everything. Uh, do you put your stuff on YouTube too? A little bit. I'm working with a social media person to try to build the YouTube, but ah. it's tough. There's a lot of stuff, and it's like, when the fuck am I supposed to write anything new? Right. Just posting things in different platforms. Are they? Uh, are they like picky about stuff that you? post or are they like no no no. i mean they're they're i ask for their advice sometimes but i i steer the ship right that's good yeah it's uh it's always so like i just would think like i would just think like oh do you put the the right stuff like i to me i feel like i put my stuff up way too early and like not right away but like I was like a year and a half in. And I was like, this is not. You know? Yeah, but we all do that. We all do. I think every comic does that in the beginning. Yeah. So now I'm just like more careful. It's like, okay, yeah. Okay. And the one thing that I love is like, I love with like TikTok when I put my stamp on there, it's like, it gets so much more views. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like, because people just scroll. That's what it is. It's, yeah. It's, it's easier. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Yeah, uh, I don't want to take too much of your time up. Uh, so, um, what's your uh, what are your social media stuff? So it's just my name at Joe Marcus everywhere. Yeah, 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 all the things. It's so cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Of course, I hope it was useful. And uh, oh yeah, yeah for sure. I'm sure I'll see you around. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Peace, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you.